tonight, this is the title of the message. Two wrongs make two wrongs. Well, you say, Mr. Leonard, how profound. <laughs> God has revealed, he's kept things from the wise, or the people who think they're wise. I love that song. I'm in need. I need wisdom. He's kept things from people who think they're wise and has revealed it to the simple. Now, just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy. It can be so simple, but ever so difficult. Two wrongs make two wrongs. So that means... If my wife does something wrong, that's one wrong. And she does occasionally. St. Caroline does things wrong sometimes. Okay? And then I have a choice. And my natural response is to respond with another wrong. Because if she can do wrong, then evidently I can too. So I respond with another wrong. And that second wrong can come in any shape or form. It could be a similar thing that she's doing, or it could be a reaction to what she's doing. But nevertheless... Now we don't just have one wrong, we now have two wrongs. That's dumb. Why not try to have as few wrongs as possible? Instead of excusing a second wrong. Now in English, two negatives make a positive. If I say, I will not do that, that means I won't do that. If I say, I will never not do that, that means I always will, a positive result. But when it comes to right and wrong, that's not how it works. In English, two negatives make a positive. When it comes to right and wrong, Two wrongs make, now we have two wrongs. In thinking of living Christian lives in a wicked world, that's what you want to do. You want to live like Jesus in this wicked world. And in thinking about that, we talked about walking your path. <clears throat> we talked about what it takes to follow Jesus. dying to self. 
If you want to stand out for Jesus, you follow this principle. This is not popular in the world. In fact, it's not popular in most Christian circles. That is sad. That is so sad. But it's simple. It's just hard. It's simple. Most people and most Christians, they have a certain point. They say, you know, if you do something wrong, oh, I'll forgive you. And if you do this, oh, I'll forgive you. And you can even do something really bad over here. and oh, yeah, yeah, That may be hard, but I'll forgive you. But most people, they have a preset limit. And they say, if you cross that line, then it's okay for me to do the second wrong. I have a preacher friend back home, and he was in the community, he, uh, he was uh, at a meeting with about a dozen other preacher friends from different churches in our community. And at this meeting, I don't, they were sitting around the table, and uh, the one guy had his gun out. This tells you where I'm from. his concealed weapon, he had it out. He'd just gotten a new one and he was talking about it and, and, and showing the guy beside him. And, and, oh, by the way, my preacher friend that I'm talking about, he is an Anabaptist, has Anabaptist beliefs. And, but one of the preachers had his concealed weapon out and he, he just he got a new one and he was talking about it. And, and um, <clears throat> After a while, the guy beside him got his gun out to compare it. <laughs> and before the conversation was over, out of those 12 ministers of the gospel, there was only my friend and one other minister who wasn't carrying a concealed weapon. Now, you from the north, that you may not comprehend that quite. <laughs> Reminds me of another illustration. You know, if we'd have another civil war, we know that the southerners or the conservatives would win because they love to hunt, they love to shoot. The others don't even know which bathroom to use. <laughs> anyway, that was a little bunny trail. Let's leave that one. But we're too much the same way. We pull out our concealed weapon when people cross a line. And not only do we have concealed weapons, 
but we use them in such a way that we think is hidden. And we justify the second wrong because somebody has crossed our predetermined line. But that's not my Jesus. That's not my Jesus. This is my Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died, those of you who have chosen to die, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Now we are able to respond to the first wrong as we follow Jesus' footsteps and take people's sins and live to righteousness. Two points I want to emphasize with this message. There will be wrongs. Repeat that with me. There will be wrongs. Yes, this is a wicked place. This is a wicked planet. It's a sinful planet. Everybody has a sinful nature. And God cursed this planet. So there will be wrongs. All right, here's the second point. I always have the freedom to choose right. I love freedom. I was talking with somebody from two or three. I like that church name. Two or three. Uh, two or three what? No, that's it. Not even two or three Mennonite? No, just two or three. I like that. We were talking about it last evening. And I said, if I'd, right now, if I'd start a church, I'd call it Liberty Mennonite. I guess there's a Liberty Mennonite close to here. They got freed from the north part, and now they're just Liberty Mennonite, all right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. But I love the idea of freedom. We are free. We have liberty. We are able to choose. I always have the freedom to choose right. Say that with me. I always have the freedom to choose right. That's right. You are never a victim of circumstances to the extent that you cannot choose right. Now, you may need help to choose right, and you won't do it perfectly, but you always have the freedom to choose right. <sighs> Isn't that freeing? To know that you are able to choose right. So there will always be wrongs, but there will always be a right way to respond. You can always take the next step down your path. However ugly your path gets, you are able. You can do it. So, let's read from 1 Peter and thinking about this thing that there will be wrongs. There will be wrongs. 
First Peter 2, we'll be reading quite a few verses here from First Peter. I'm reading from New King James. First Peter 2, beginning in verse 13. First Peter 2, 13. And who, no, wrong verse, here we go, verse uh, 2.13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Verse 15. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish or wrong men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, for wrong, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants. Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh or the wrong. Verse 19, for this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if? When you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer wrongfully, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. This is all of our path. This is the path we were all called to. Verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered wrong for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Got that? This is our calling, to follow his steps, suffering wrongfully. That's what you're called to. Verse 22, follow his steps who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. In other words, when he was wronged, he didn't respond with another wrong, the second wrong. But what did he do instead? He committed himself to him who judges righteously, his father. He just lets dad take care of it. Okay, that's what Jesus did. Verse 24, who himself, and this is the verse we had up here, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Chapter 3, begin reading in verse 8. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion one for another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. 
be courteous, not returning evil for evil or wrong for wrong, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Returning blessing for wrong. Knowing that you were called, here we have it again, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer, for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Repeat that with me, the just for the unjust. The just for the unjust. All right, let's keep reading here in verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. And here's why, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. That sounds like what we talked about this morning, dying to live. That's what Jesus did. Verse 19, now we'll stop there. Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, by the Spirit. Now one more verse, or two more, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. In other words, adopt the same mindset. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. We'll refer to this scripture later. So, as you saw, as we read, there will be wrongs. Jesus was wronged. He faced wrongs. And he had the righteous, good response. He responded to wrongs with good, to hatred with love, to cursing with blessing. He didn't respond wrong in repeating the first wrong, and he didn't respond wrong in reacting to the first wrong. He responded to wrong with right. Righteousness. All right. I have some phrases here that you hear people say when they are justifying the second wrong. Okay? Somebody's done wrong, and they find themselves doing the same. And so we say things to justify the second wrong. Everybody does it. 
Everybody does it. You hear that when people are justifying not only the second, but maybe the third or fourth or the tenth wrong. Because if everybody else is doing it, well, then they justify. But the same principle, just two wrongs make two wrongs. 29 wrongs make 29. Why add the 30th? Here's another one we hear. He did it to me, or he did it to me first. I've heard people say, you know, he, I knew he didn't like me, I knew he did this, and, but, but then once he hit me, then okay, then I, we can fight now. No. Well, that's a justifying. Justifying. Oh, you hear children do this one. I had it first. Huh. Okay. I had it first. He came and took it away from me. So since I had it first and he wronged me, now I can wrong him and take advantage of him. We've probably all done that when we were kids, when we needed to share a toy. We have adult ways of acting like this too. Let's stop it. She deserves it. Hmm. What's, what's the second wrong we're justifying when we say that? Does it sound like love to you? Does it sound like Christ's righteousness? Mm -mm. You don't want to ever hear yourself say that. You don't want to hear, hear yourself say that. He has more money than I do anyway. Or, well, it's not like he needs the money. What wrong may that be justifying? Taking advantage of someone? Not being quite honest? He would do it if he was in my shoes. Justifying wrong actions. She always gets away with it. What attitude is that justifying? What action may that be justifying? And here's one we hear sadly. She was, but she was cheating on me. So a partner is unfaithful to their spouse. We hear that all the time. So that means that now I can be unfaithful to my wedding vows too. Because she wasn't faithful to me, so that justifies me not being faithful to her. What sense does that make? Because now we don't only have one wrong, we now have two wrongs. Here's another one, justifying a second wrong. I would never do that. So a wrong was committed. But we would never commit that wrong. But what have we just done when we said this? Does that sound like Jesus? Does that sound like I'm aware of my need? Does that sound like I'm loving them? Now, most of us 
we've been taught a lot of prudence and appropriateness, and so we wouldn't say that. But we would sure think it. That's wrong. We shouldn't even think that and compare ourselves with other people who are doing wrong. It's okay to say, Lord, help me to never fall into that trap. But don't say it with this wrong attitude. It's a lack of love that's wrong. It's gossip that's wrong. It's distrust. It's disdain. It could be jealousy. Having a critical attitude or self-righteousness. It's hypocritical and it's blind. But worst of all, it's that lack of love. It's that withdrawal. It's holding someone at arm's length. That's not the gospel. If you refuse to, to commit this second wrong, this will set you apart from most Christians. And maybe a lot of Anabaptist Christians too. We are called to follow his steps. And what were his steps? Jesus quietly trusted his father. Who when he was wronged, he didn't respond with wrong. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. He had a good relationship with his father, his heavenly father. And you can too. You can have that kind of relationship where you are so secure in his love, where you are walking with him, you are trusting him so completely that you are secure. And it doesn't matter what hits you or who hits you or what wrongs are happening around you. You can do it. You can just trust him and let it go. And Jesus didn't just quietly trust his father, he also loved the offender. Okay? It's not just biting your tongue and going on, but it's also responding with love. Reaching out to them. Praying for them. Blessing them. In any way you can, in every way you can. That's his footsteps. In fact, Jesus took their sin upon himself. Took our sin upon himself. We can do the same. We can bear the sins of others too. Not like Jesus did, but yet kind of. So there will be wrongs. Get with it. There will be wrongs. Don't hear yourself to, oh, I just can't believe they did that. Oh, oh, what were they thinking? Don't let yourself go there. There will be wrongs. Don't be so surprised. You have done wrong too. It's really surprising that we are able to do as much right as we do. We should be more surprised and happy and celebrating that so-and-so is making so many right choices. 
All right, the second point. I always have the freedom to choose right. God has given us, with, given us a very precious gift. It's called volition. Can you say that word with me? Volition. What does that mean? Volition. Isn't that kind of a cool word? <laughs> You're not sure? <laughs> All right. The power of choosing. The ability to make choices and decisions. That's what volition is. And he has given every human being volition. Some don't know it. Some don't exercise what they know. But you are able. You have volition. You have the ability to make choices. That's, that's part of God's love. Allowing us to make choices. So, because you always have the freedom to choose what's right, let's go through this list again. Everybody does it. Well, to start with, that's not true. That's a lie. And you can decide to believe that, oh yes, that is a lie. You can go against what you feel and choose to believe the truth and say, no, not everybody does it. Because you have volition. And because you have volition, there's nothing or nobody that can keep you from choosing to be different from what feels like everybody else. That's freedom. You can come to my church, Liberty Mennonite, all right? <laughs> freedom, liberty to choose to be, to do what you should do. Nobody's stopping you. Nobody's in there. Nobody can stop you from choosing to do what's right. You might lose friends, you might lose your head, you might, but you're still free. Free. The freedom to choose right. All right, the next one. He did it to me. Or, he did it to me first. You always have the freedom to break the cycle of evil. I had it first. You always have the ability to choose to be the first to be unselfish. She deserves it. You always have the ability to choose to be like Jesus and give people what they don't deserve. Isn't that awesome? That's triumph. He has more money than I do anyway. Or, well, well it's not like he lead, needs the money. You always have the ability to choose to be a person of integrity. It's not about what's fair. It's about what's right. He would do it if he was in my shoes. But remember, two wrongs make two wrongs. She always gets away with it. Do you really want to lower yourself to that kind of thinking? 
somebody else gets away with it, so why shouldn't I get away with what I want to get away with? Well, here again, that's not true. Nobody will get away. Eventually, nobody will get away with doing wrong. You're just too short-sighted to see it. I'm just too short-sighted to see it. But we know nobody will get away with doing wrong. But he was cheating on me. You always have the ability to be like Jesus and to be the just for the unjust to help others to God. I want to talk about this a little bit more. So I have some references here. 1 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be ye reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, you have decided to follow the path of Jesus. Some of you have decided it thoroughly. Some of you have this, even this weekend, you've, deci you've decided, yes, you are going to step forward. You are going to walk the path that God has called you to walk. And you've decided to die to self, to let your life go so that you can live the way you were meant to live and follow Jesus, and become like him. So what did Jesus do? Jesus did certain things and lived in such a way to help other people become righteous and to help other people come to the Father. Look at verse 19. That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Your heavenly Father wants to draw you to himself because he likes you. He designed you. He likes everything about you. And he wants fellowship with you, close fellowship with you. And so he wants to bring you home. He wants you to stick your feet under his table and feast on all the spiritual riches that he has provided. I talked to you about that last night. That's what he wants. And so he sent his son to draw the world to himself. How did Jesus do that? How did Jesus do that? To draw the world to his father. Christ reconciling the world to himself. God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is how he did it, not imputing their trespasses to them. 
That's how he did it. That's how he makes us righteous. We did that first wrong and hundreds of wrongs. How did Jesus do that? How, did he, how does he draw us to the Father? By not counting it against us. That's all. As we come to him in repentance and confession and all of that, and Micah shared how, that, how we can drop our bags, he says, you're forgiven. I forgive you. And that opens the way for us to come to the Father. That's how Jesus did it. And that's how we need to do it too. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's how Jesus did it. So if we're going to draw people to God, we're going to have to start responding the same way to wrongs. Somebody does something wrong, Within us, we need to automatically have the attitude, I'm not going to hold it against them. In fact, I'm going to put my arm around them and love them. I'm going to care about them. I'm going to bless them. And if they wrong us, it makes no difference. We do the same. That is the way to bring people to God. Respond to wrongs with right, with love, with goodness. Not condoning wrongs, but not responding with the second wrong. It's the essence of this scripture as well. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God sends rain and sunshine and good things to wicked people. Everybody's asking these days, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Where, where, where? Why aren't they asking, why does God let good things happen to bad people? We hear that other question way more than this one. God is all the time letting good things happen to bad people. And if you want to be like God, you need to do the same. You allow good things to happen to bad people. You bless them. You love them. You shower them with goodness. And act like your dad. Like you really are a chip off the old block. That you may be sons and daughters of your Father in heaven. Then people will start looking at the church and, ah, they are so different. They must be God's children. Because God is good. In fact, most of them don't know that God is good because of the way we're acting. Shame on us. God is good. Act like your dad. 
For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Died to sin, live for righteousness. All right, now this other one we heard, we hear. I would never do that. But just like you have, always have volition, always have the ability to choose right, you also always have the ability to choose wrong. So that's not true. I would never do. You have the ability to do that too. You're just like everybody else. You always have the ability to fall. So, but instead of gossip, instead of distrust, instead of disdain, jealousy, critical attitudes, self-righteousness, instead of withdrawal and holding people at arm's length, we love them. We choose to do what Jesus would do. Not condoning their sin, but love them. Love them. Engage them. Get to know them. Bless them. Overcome evil with good. You can do it. That's your path. That's what you're, you're called to. Now I want to talk a little bit about surrendering rights. Surrendering our rights to God. Jesus did. Who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. That's another way of saying Jesus surrendered his rights to God. Now, what are rights? What are rights? A right is something to which one has a just claim. Something to which one has a, a just claim. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I think... Probably since we are humans, we, are, we have a, you could say, we have a right to be treated like we are created in God's image. All right? So I would say, yes, we have rights. I was created in God's image, and rightly, I should be treated such. With dignity. Respect. In fact, we read tonight, honor all men. I think each one of us has a right, since we're created in God's image, to be treated with respect and dignity. As someone who has volition, when people are controlled and abused, they're treated as if they have no volition, not the ability to choose, and that's wrong. I would say their rights are violated. But with surrendering our rights to God, it is now His. 
since we decided to die and to let go of our life, we're also letting go of our rights. And we can find the freedom that we have nothing to fight for anymore. We surrender our rights to God and we have nothing to fight for anymore. Nothing to argue about. Nothing to defend. Now, it may be a fight to keep it surrendered. <laughs> it may be a fight to, to stay on our knees and, and work through it. But it's not like we're fighting for our rights. It's not like we're fighting because we've given it away. And we may be like Jesus in the garden where there was a struggle, there was a fight going on. But he surrendered. He surrendered. Let me just make this statement. As followers of Jesus, it is wrong to not surrender our rights. The next time your rights have been violated, don't respond with the second wrong by not surrendering your rights, not keeping them surrendered. Let me illustrate. When the government infringes on our rights, we say, that's unconstitutional. We say, that's wrong. That's one wrong. But how will I respond? Let's say the government infringed upon our rights and said, since you're a U.S. citizen, Everybody has to drink three cups of coffee every day. We would say, that's infringing upon our rights. That is just, it's unconstitutional. Why should the government tell me how my, this is a free country after all. Why should they tell me what I should drink and what I shouldn't drink. That is wrong. Furthermore, coffee isn't the most healthy thing to drink. That's not even good for your health. All right. So what if the government says, Nobody's allowed to drink coffee. No coffee anymore. It's not good for your health. It will do damage to the ozone. <laughs> I don't know what all. <laughs> that wouldn't be right either, would it? People, we've been faced with this kind of thing in the last few years. And I'm sorry, some of your parents have committed the second wrong. Over something, almost, some things almost as silly as coffee or no coffee. I'm asking you young people to determine in your hearts 
Determine in your hearts that you will not respond to one wrong with the second wrong. With an attitude of insubmission. With an attitude of defiance. Be like Jesus. Who when he was wronged didn't respond wrongly. He responded with goodness. Remember that two wrongs make two wrongs. There will be wrongs, but you always have the freedom to choose right. Follow Christ's steps. Quietly trust your loving Heavenly Father and love those who wrong you. Love them. Remember, your calling is to reconcile the world to the Father. And Jesus did that by not counting their wrongs against him. You do it the same way. Now, I want to close with another scenario where two wrongs make two wrongs. When you did the first wrong, all my these other examples was talking about when other people did the first wrong. But the same is true when you've done the first wrong. And you've repeated that wrong. Or you've done many wrongs. The same principle is true. There are so many wrong ways to respond to our wrongs. And Satan will come and he'll say, oh, that wrong was too big. You might as well just give up. You might as well just stay in it. You've been too wrong. But it's wrong to not repent. It's wrong to lie about your wrong. It's wrong to pretend about your wrong. Don't add wrong upon wrong. No. Receive forgiveness. Repent. Receive forgiveness. Your wrongs aren't too big to receive forgiveness. Don't add the wrong against God saying no to his forgiveness to your other wrongs. We've created enough wrongs. Let's not add some more to it. Don't say, well, I started down the wrong road. I messed up. I might as well finish it out. Keep enjoying it. No. Don't say, I've been creating wrong. I've been doing these wrong all these years. What's another day? What's another year? No. Don't lie about your wrong and add wrong to wrong. Confess, forsake, renounce. 
And don't try to make up for your wrong. You can't pay for your sin. That's just another wrong to add upon wrong. When you realized you've been wrong, you always have the choice to choose right and say, I am wrong and I choose what's right. God help me. Choose what's right. I won't try to pay for it. I won't try to justify it. I won't try to excuse it. I will be honest. I will walk in the light. And I will respond to wrong with right. So whether I've done the wrong, the first wrong, or whether other people have done the first wrong, two wrongs still make two wrongs. Read this verse with me. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. Let's stand for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you desire to draw the world to yourself. And you have sent Jesus to demonstrate the not counting our trespasses against us. And now you enable us to follow Jesus and relate with the wrongs around us in the same way. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for where we have added wrong upon wrong. God, I pray that you would help us to choose to remove all limits to other people's wrongs and to commit ourselves to choosing right regardless what the wrongs are around us. We just commit ourselves to you for that. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.